Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, and oh my goodness, I am so glad to be recording. It's been a a long day, a rough day, a personally very tough day, and I got to say, this podcast, Doing Strong Opinion Sports, is what gets me through everything. This, The fact that I know I can record Strong Opinion Sports at the end of the night um, just means so much to me, and it's my favorite thing in the entire world. So thank you so very much for listening. Uh, I'm really, really excited. Today's a great podcast. I want to start with this. Life is all about perception. Uh, a, a buddy of mine, his girlfriend broke up with him recently uh, because he was looking at other girls' pictures on Instagram. Uh, she said he was cheating. I don't know. Uh, do I think that's cheating? Hell no. No way. Not not at all. Uh, but if my girlfriend thought it was cheating, it doesn't matter what I think. If her perception was that I was cheating, if her perception was that he was cheating, um, I, you know, I'd probably break up with her. But the point remains, life is all about perception. If she thinks you're cheating on her, that's a problem. doesn't matter what the reality is. What matters is her perception of reality. And her perception of reality is that my friend was cheating on his girlfriend. I don't know. The point remains the same. Life is about perception. LeBron James just broke uh, 30,000 points all time in his career. It was awesome. It was a big moment. It was fantastic. You know, he, the only other people that have done that same accomplishment are Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, and Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it's, it's massively impressive. He's the youngest person ever to reach 30,000 points. Now, my opinion is LeBron James is the greatest of all time, but I don't want to talk about that. That is not the purpose of this. Please don't let that point take away from the rest of this uh, take. Because I actually want to, I want to criticize my favorite player. I love LeBron James, but a lot of people don't. Many people don't love LeBron James, and part of that is because of the perception of LeBron James. Perception is so important in life. Uh, Before his milestone, before the game where he scored 30,000 points, LeBron James put a post on Instagram. I'll put it up if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Basically, the gist of this post was LeBron James was congratulating himself. You should be very proud. He posted a picture of him in high school and said, in third person talking about himself, he should be very proud and just congratulating himself. It was weird. I read it and it made me very uncomfortable. I I love LeBron James and I don't know how to defend this. I think it's weird and I didn't like it. Um, You know, I I think what LeBron James meant to do was reflect on his high school days, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The perception is LeBron James is full of himself. You know, I think, again, he was trying to say, he was trying to talk about what that young kid from Akron, you know, that high school kid that didn't realize how much he would do in his career. I think he was trying to make a statement about how cool it was that, that young kid at 16 came to the point he's at now. But people don't like LeBron, especially for things like this. Nobody likes someone who dominates and nobody likes someone who is full of themselves. And that is the perception of LeBron. That is how LeBron James comes across. If your girlfriend thinks you're cheating on her, that's a problem. Perception matters. If people think LeBron James is full of himself, that's a problem. LeBron James right now has it. People's perception of LeBron James Accurate or not, it doesn't matter. The perception is LeBron James is full of himself, and that's a mistake. I would not have posted what LeBron James posted on Instagram. I would not have done it. I would have posted, you know, maybe like a high school picture and said, wow, we've come a long ways. And something like that, talking about 
LeBron James, kind of what he's become. It's cool. Something like that. Something uh, sentimental. But it just came across as he was full of himself. And I did not like that. I, I love LeBron James. That was a bad PR move, man. I, I can't I can't support that. I can't. I don't know how to defend that. It was just a, a bad, bad mistake. Uh, I want to talk about... You know, this is going to be a great podcast. I have a great show planned for you guys today. Uh, we're going to talk about... There's two big chunks of this podcast. Uh, there is the first part, which is you know business as usual. I'll do my thing. I'll talk about uh, a bunch of different takes. We're going to talk about Tom Brady, NFL coaching moves. We'll revisit Duke. We'll talk a lot about the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then in the second half of the show, I'll take a break. We'll do the second half of the show. I asked you guys, the viewers, the listeners, to tell me why you hate the New England Patriots. And you guys delivered. Oh, my goodness. It's fun. It's exciting. You guys gave me some fantastic responses. And that's going to be a really fun segment. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find the shortest, uh, most interesting clips on YouTube. The shorter, most interesting clips on YouTube. I also break them out and put them there on that website. Share this with your friends. Tell your friends about strong opinion sports. I, I need your help to grow the podcast. Someone put this on a 49ers blog once that helped me grow a lot. If you like strong opinion sports, as much as I do, I love this podcast. It's my favorite thing in the world. If you enjoy strong opinion sports, tell your friends about the show. Share the link on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit. If you understand Reddit, that'd be a huge help. Tell your friends about strong opinion sports. Oh, by the way, it's crazy. LeBron James has never been seriously injured. Like never. Chris Ops Porzingis is out right now. Lonzo Ball is out. Uh, Kevin Durant has missed time this year. Steph Curry has been injured in the past. James Harding has a hamstring injury right now. I mean, LeBron James misses a game here and there because he you know, wants to rest, and people criticize him for that. LeBron James has never, not once, missed significant time, and that's incredible. It's unbelievable. I, people criticize LeBron James for missing a game here and there. I mean, guys, come on. Come on. The guy has never once been out for a significant amount of time. That's a crazy achievement. I mean, he, he's fifth in minutes per game right now in the NBA, and he led the league in minutes last season. Just, wow. It's unbelievable. I don't know. I just, I, I love LeBron. I really do. I got to make two corrections before we really jump into the show. Uh, last episode, I said uh, Mike Calipari. I meant John Calipari. Uh, there are two, two instances where I misspoke. I, I said Mike Calipari. I meant John Calipari. I also said Kyle Allen. I meant Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback. I obviously, I knew who I'm talking about. I just misspoke. And misspeaking happens. I do it all the time. I'm terrible with names. Like I, I say, I think it's Tua Tungvaloa. I'm learning. I've been saying Tua's name wrong forever. I'll probably just say Tua from now on. But I'm awful with names. I screw them up all the time. Please forgive me. That is not my strength. My strength is, I think, analysis and coming up with interesting topics to talk about. That is my strength. That's what I love to do. Um, man, I had a, I had a brutal day. I had a, I had a really a rough day. It was not fun. I'm recording. Uh, it's 12.06 uh, technically, this is Thursday podcast. I mean, look, I, I, it was a long, awful day, ton of school. It just, I've been really tired. It was hard to focus and it was just really rough. And I watched a trailer for Tom Brady's uh, docu-series, Tom versus Time. It was awesome. Tom Brady inspires me. You can hate Tom Brady all you want. We'll talk about that later. But Tom Brady inspires me. I mean, there are all kinds of motivational speakers and most of them haven't achieved anything. I, I hate, 
I really strongly dislike 95% of most motivational speakers because they haven't done anything. If you haven't done anything, don't tell me how to live my life. Like, why should I listen to you? They're like, oh, you're beautiful or you can make it, all this stuff. It's like you're, you're spewing bullshit, bull crap. I just don't, I don't care. I don't want to listen to that. Uh, like a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, that's who I listen to. Gary Vaynerchuk took his dad's corner wine store, a one single brick and mortar store, and turned that into a huge, huge wine company. He's a millionaire. He wants to own the Jets someday, and it's actually a realistic goal of him to possibly own the Jets. Awesome. When, when Gary Vaynerchuk speaks, I listen. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, if you ask me. But even if you disagree, maybe you think Joe Montana's uh, the greatest quarterback of all time. It's undeniable that he is a, an unbelievable talent, and his achievements speak for themselves. He's won five Super Bowls. He's probably this year's MVP. Uh, when the quarterback of Northwest Nowhere State tries to tell me how to live my life, I don't care. Like when the backup quarterback for Bowling Green tries to tell me how to live my life, I'm like, who are you? What have you done? I'm not listening to you. I don't care. Because uh, for me, people who do things, that inspires me. People who take action, people who have had achievements in their life. You built a company. You wrote a book. You graduated college at the age of 40. You went back and made it happen. Those kind of stories inspire me. You know, there's a guy who graduated uh, my college recently. He tries, he's trying to make inspirational videos. And I, you know, I get it. He's trying to do the right thing. For me, it's like, dude, what have you done? You've accomplished nothing. I don't care what you have to say. Um, I want to play a clip now from Tom Brady's trailer. I mentioned Tom Brady's trailer for Tom versus Time. Uh, there was a line that just really, really inspired me. I want to play that right now. If you're going to compete against me, you better be willing to give up your life because I'm giving up mine. <laughs> That's awesome. I've referenced the, the TB12 method before. I called it culty. I called it an insane diet. You know, it's what it really is to me after a second look, after really analyzing what the TB12 method is, who Tom Brady is. His dedication is inspiring to me. Tom Brady, uh, you know, I, I've criticized the TB12 method. I made fun of it. Now I look at it uh, after taking a step back. You can hate Brady all you want, uh, but I want a world that rewards hard work and preparation. You know, I'm up till 4 a.m. almost every night. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, like tonight, to edit this podcast, I'm going to be up till probably 5, 6 in the morning. And that's almost every night. And a guy like Tom Brady, who works as hard as he does, who prepares as hard as he does, I want to see that rewarded. I really do. Guys like Tom Brady, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk worked 18-hour days every night in his 20s. That inspires me. So you can hate Tom Brady all you want. For me, Tom Brady motivates me. He's got a great story. And he's, he worked hard. And he, I think, in my opinion... He's earned everything he's ever had. Uh, truly just incredible, in my opinion. Um, you know, like I watched college radio last night, I wa or I listened to a college radio show. <sighs> Man, it was awful. It was really awful. Like hard work and preparation are really important. These guys clearly did not prepare. They had no idea what they were going to talk about next. And it was a joke. It was like, this is not interesting. You guys didn't do any prep. That's how you make good content, in my opinion. And it just was awful. I mean, maybe you can prepare and then you're still not good enough. That Then that's not enough. Like maybe you hate what I'm saying right now. That's still important. But geez, man, hard work and preparation. I hope that is something that pays off in this world. I really do. Um, Pat Shermer was just hired as the new Giants head coach. And I really, really like this move. You know, he's the former Vikings offensive coordinator. He's the guy that he just coached in the NFC Championship. He's the guy who helped Case Keenum get to where he was. 
He also was the former Eagles offensive coordinator. He coached Nick Foles in 2013 when Nick Foles had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He is the reason why Nick Foles, in my opinion, I mean, Nick Foles earned it, sure, but he's the reason why Nick Foles had that great season. And then there was all this turmoil in Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. Sam Bradford gets hurt. You got to go to a third-string quarterback, Case Keenum. And he may, he took undrafted rookie free agent, not rookie anymore, undrafted free agent with a weak arm, Case Keenum. Noodle arm, Case Keenum, as much as I love him. He got Case Keenum to be considered for MVP. Now, that's not entirely fair. You know, Case Keenum did earn it. But man, having good coaching really helps. And the Giants, what the Giants need right now is a coach who can help develop quarterbacks, whether it's Eli Manning or a young rookie quarterback. And I think the Giants should take a rookie quarterback. You need a guy who can help with the quarterback position. And Pat Shermer, he's a step in the right direction as far as the quarterback position. So it's a good hire. I like Pat Shermer going to the Giants. I like that move a lot. I said before, you know, Matt Patricia wasn't a great fit. They need a guy who understands quarterbacks. Pat Shermer's that guy. Pat Shermer probably has the answer to help you at quarterback. Well, again, whether it's Eli Manning or Josh Rosen, a rookie quarterback, who knows? Pat Shermer understands quarterbacks. Therefore, Pat Shermer is a good hire for the New York Giants. There was another interesting hire. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a glass of water real quick. There was another interesting hire uh, recently. 24-year-old Charlie Weiss Jr. was hired by Lane Kiffin. Yes, the very same... Uh, Charlie Weiss Jr., who is the son of a Notre Dame head coach, Charlie Weiss, the former Notre Dame head coach. And Lane Kiffin didn't just hire this guy to his staff. Lane Kiffin hired, again, 24-year-old Charlie Weiss Jr. to be the new offensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. He's 24 years old. And I'm told he has an incredible football mind. And that that's really great. That's being smart. Awesome. Fantastic. If you're smart, good for you. Um, but my, my college, Washington State, has, you know, they had all these uh, engineering students graduate and go off into the world, and it wasn't working for them. And here's what they changed. They actually made it so engineering students at Washington State um, have to take a communications course. And the reason was because kids were graduating college, really smart, bright engineers without any people skills. They couldn't talk to people. They had terrible interview skills. They didn't know how to communicate. And so my college said, people skills are important. You have to take classes that help enhance your people skills. So he's 24 years old. That's great. I mean, I don't know. He's, he's an offensive coordinator. I'm told he's a genius. I don't know. But I have my reservations because having a great mind is not enough. And I know it's funny. I'm, I'm a young guy criticizing someone else for age. Look, I'm rooting for Charlie Weiss Jr. I want him to be awesome. I'm very curious. I think it's a great story. But being smart does not make you a great coach. You know, I'm ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo, the former Giants head coach, is said to have a great... Everyone says Ben McAdoo had a great football mind. Yet he didn't work. It wasn't enough. My point is, great football mind is not enough. You have to have people skills. So I'm very curious. Can a 24-year-old work in a locker room full of 20 to 23-year-olds? Can he work with a 23-year-old quarterback? Maybe he'll get a quarterback who's older than him. I don't know. But can a 24-year-old guy 
work in a locker room? Will the players respect him? Will he be able to be good enough with player relationships? I have no idea. I, I assume so. If Lane Kiffin believes in him, probably. So maybe this is a great hire. It's interesting nonetheless. So I'm very curious. Can 24-year-old Charlie Weiss Jr. succeed as the, head, uh, as the offensive coordinator for Florida Atlantic University? I don't know. I'm going to follow up on that. That's a story I'm very excited to follow next college football season. I just think that's fascinating and very interesting. Can a 24-year-old be an offensive coordinator of a college football team? We'll find out. That'll be fun. Uh, it's reported recently Josh McDaniels will be the next Indianapolis Colts head coach. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a perfect fit. It's good for Andrew Luck. He gets an offensive-minded head coach. It's fantastic. It really is. And even if, let's, um, let's some weird coincidence, let's say Andrew Luck can't play next year. Let's say he's injured. Will you have Jacoby Brissett, who formerly worked with Josh McDaniels in New England? You're set. Either way, you're going to have a good quarterback situation because you got a good coach. I like that a lot. You moved off from a defensive coach. You got a quarterback coach who can help the offense, and that's going to be really smart. I like that a lot. And maybe, by the way, maybe Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I butchered that last name. Uh, I know he is. I've heard his name lots. He's a great coach. I watched him when he coached for the Rams. He knows defense, though. He's a really great defensive coordinator. He just got fired by the Giants. He might be the, and that's not because he did something wrong. He just wasn't retained when the new, uh, when Pat Shermer got hired. That could be, I, I'm curious to see if he becomes the next Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator. I would hire Sp Steve Spagnolo. He's a great, great defensive mind. He understands football. He's a good coach. I would not be surprised to see him next in Indianapolis joining Josh McDaniels. So I talked about the, uh, the I talked about the Tennessee Titans recently. And the Titans fired their former head coach, Mike Malarkey. They fired Mike Malarkey. And I hypothesized the reason for this was because they wanted to get Josh McDaniels to be their head coach. Now, they did not get Josh McDaniels. So what they did next, they responded by hiring Mike Vrabel as the new head coach. I, I, I'm worried and I'm, I'm lukewarm at best about Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel's a great guy. I like him. But I'm worried about him because he's a defensive coach. And you need to get Marcus Mariota help. You need to develop Marcus Mariota. I, I, I'm worried. You know, I, I, you need an offensive-minded head coach. And that's not, the, that's not where the, the worry stops. The worry continues. I'm more worried because they reached out to Ryan Day, the Ohio State offensive coordinator, and he turned him down as the he turned down the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator job, which means if, if someone's turning down an NFL job to stay in college, a he likes where he's at, but b he doesn't he's worried about the successful. He's worried that, that the Titans may not be successful. He doesn't believe in Mike Vrabel. I don't know that that worries me. Another thing that worries me is that John Betcher or James Betcher, James Betcher, the former Arizona defensive coordinator chose to be the Giants defensive coordinator and turned down the job as a defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. That's worrisome, man. If both of your first two candidates reject you, that's a bad sign. That means people don't believe that you will succeed. I, I love Mike Vrabel. He's great in interviews. He was an awesome player back in the day. But I'm worried about him. I really am. He's a good coach. But I'm worried about Marcus Mariota. Mariota needs better offensive coaching. This is now Marcus Mariota's third head coach in four seasons. 
And you will not win. Mike Vrabel will not win unless Marcus Mariota does well. If Marcus Mariota doesn't succeed, you will not win games. And the Titans, man, they're in trouble. The Titans barely made the playoffs last year. And now you have the Colts coming back. The Colts are getting Andrew Luck back. The Jaguars are good. The Jaguars are they're going to probably make the playoffs too. The Titans division just suddenly tightened up and they're screwed. I don't know. You don't have an offensive coach. You you don't have coordinators cuz they keep turning you down and your division's getting better. I'm worried about the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans may be in trouble. All right. I want to move on. I want to revisit Duke real quick because I talked last episode about Duke's fantastic recruiting class and I want to double back and really revisit it because this class is incredibly interesting to me in fact I think Duke's 2018 recruiting class is going to make me watch college basketball before March Madness actually happens and I never do like right now I'm not watching any basketball because I don't care about college basketball so I watch NBA I don't watch college basketball because I don't care until the NCAA tournament I have no reason to watch I have no reason to care but one thing this interests me because it's like a weird science experiment and here's why I'm interested. Here's the, the key of Duke next season. Traditionally, one and dones don't win championships. I mean, we saw Kentucky's Anthony Davis win a championship. It does happen from time to time. But traditionally, you see teams that have seniors that have built a great system win NCAA championships. Look at last year's Final Four. You had Gonzaga, Oregon, North Carolina, and South Carolina. All teams that had great systems. They weren't one and done led. I mean, you're, uh, this is now, this is a long ways away. I know we're over a year away from any of these guys playing in a Duke uniform. Uh, but next year's recruiting class fascinates me, man. Duke has the number one, two, and three ESPN recruit in the nation and the number eight recruit in the nation, who's the number one point guard in the nation. I assume all four are going to be one and dones, but let's say three of them are one and dones. Can a Duke team who is predominantly led by one and duns, and not just one, not like Kentucky's Anthony Davis, not like most uh, college basketball teams who just have one one and done player, can a Duke led team with three, maybe four one and duns win a championship? That's interesting. Because again, one and duns don't really win championships, but maybe can many of them all together, can that win a championship? That's very interesting to me. I know we're more than a year away from having to worry about this, but I can't wait, man. I'm fan. I'm already fired it up to watch Duke next season. I just, I think it'd be awesome. I love Coach K. I like what they're about. I'm a fan of Duke. I know, not a fan like like a hardcore fan. I just, I appreciate Duke. I like what they have done. I think their culture is awesome. Uh, people are still worried about the Cleveland Cavaliers for some reason. For whatever reason, people are. And actually, you know, I know why people are worried about the Cavs. They're worried about the Cavs. Because the Cavs are not playing very well. I'm not worried. I'm not buying it. I am not worried at all. You know, the Cavs just lost to the San Antonio Spurs. And everyone's up in arms. They're incredibly concerned. And Tyron Lue just said, the, the Cavaliers head coach said, the Cavaliers need to reorganize things. Do you remember what I said about the Oklahoma City Thunder at the beginning of the NBA season? You may, maybe you were listening, maybe you weren't. Uh, what I said was that the Thunder would be fine. My my best friend Nathan's mom makes an incredible apple pie, but she had to perfect the recipe. The first time she made the pie, it was not the same pie as it is now. Over time, the recipe has developed, and she's figured out how to do this better and better and better. 
Do you know what the Oklahoma City Thunder's record is now? After their awful start, where they had to figure it out, had to had to learn how to gel their roster. Now the Thunder are twenty-seven and twenty. They're fifth in the West. They have figured it out. It took time for the roster to make it work, but they have eventually made it work. The Cavaliers just added Isaiah Thomas to their roster very recently. Relax. Give the Cavaliers time. Again, the first time your mom made that pie, it wasn't as good as the sixth time she made the pie because she got better at making the recipe. Think about the first time you stepped into a car. Were you a great driver? No. The Cavaliers need time to figure it out. I'm relaxed. I'm fine. I'm not concerned about the Cavs. In fact, I, I'm, I really have a, I have a theory about the Cavs because I watched the Cavaliers Thunder game recently. I'm watching the Cavaliers and Thunder game and the Thunder murdered the Cavs. And it was interesting. I'm, I'm watching LeBron James play defense and he just looks uninterested. He's completely disengaged from the game. LeBron James is sending messages. LeBron James is trying to tell upper management Go get me another star. I need help if I'm going to beat the Warriors. If I'm going to win a championship, I need better players around me. I need one more star to help me win a championship. Uh, my family and I, uh, we play a game, a board game called Settlers of Catan. It's really fun. I don't know if you play it. It's fantastic. It's really fun. But when I, I know every once in a while we'll play a game where I have no chance of winning. I know that I'm out. I know that I can't win. And, and those games, when I know I can't win, I don't care. I start checking my phone. I'm not engaged. I'm not interested. I, just, I couldn't care less because I have no chance of winning. LeBron James cannot beat the Golden State Warriors with this roster. LeBron James, whether he's uninterested actually or not, he's acting uninterested, and that's because you need to get him help. Get LeBron James some help. Get him one more star. Give him a chance to compete for a championship. This does not reflect poorly on LeBron James. Everyone's saying, if you need another star, he's really not that great. The Warriors are incredible. This is a reflection of the Golden State Warriors. They have the second best player in the world, Kevin Durant. They have the greatest shooter of all time. Steph Curry changed the game. They also have two more stars. They have Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. The Warriors are unbelievable. And if, you, if LeBron James wants a chance to win the board game, if LeBron James wants a chance to win a championship, go get him another player. That's why he's acting uninterested. That's why he's trying to send messages to upper management. Get me help. Give me a reason to stay. Give me a reason to actually care about this because right now we have no chance. I am a firm believer the Cavaliers need to go get either DeAndre Jordan or and Paul George is probably off the table. Go get someone that can help LeBron James compete for a championship. I think DeAndre Jordan is the answer. And it's funny, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers had a, a meeting recently, uh, a team meeting where everyone was yelling and screaming. There's all this conflict. Conflict is not bad. We all, we overreact as a society. We act like conflict is the worst thing in the world. Conflict solves problems. Conflict is necessary. My brother and I disagree all the time, and yet we're incredibly close. We disagree on social issues. We disagree on very important issues sometimes. But we're still very good friends because we know that if we disagree, we talk it out. We can make up. It helps us solve our issue between us. You know, my ex-girlfriend, when she broke up with me, she told me she had all these issues with me. Like solvable issues. Issues you could fix if she'd actually communicated that she had these issues. But she never shared the problems she had with our relationship. She just let it build up and build up and build up and then eventually gave up. That's a problem. 
You must address issues. That is how you solve problems in this life. I know I'm alone, but, and I know the calves have many issues, but I think the calves are going to work through them. I really do. I have patience. I believe in them. I know I'm the only person in the world, it seems like, that still believes the Cavaliers are fine. I think the Cavs are going to figure it out. I really do. I have patience. Conflict is good. Get him another player. Get him help. I think the Cavaliers are going to make it happen. They got to gel. They got to figure out the roster. They got to get another player, and then they got to be patient and solve their problems. But I think they're going to do it. I really do. LeBron James is incredible. Why we've why do we doubt him? We we've never doubted him before. I mean, we have, but he always makes it happen. So I mean, I am not going to make that mistake again. I believe LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to figure it out. All right, before we take a break, before I read your guys' comments, I want to talk about this. Max Kellerman, uh, one of the hosts of ESPN's First Take, who's he's a great performer. Like he really sells it. He's an awesome. He's a great performer. <laughs> he said LeBron James should go to San Antonio. Max Kellerman believes LeBron James should go play for the San Antonio Spurs next season. <laughs> no way. No, 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 no. Max Kellerman said LeBron James needs, needs to go play for Greg Popovich. And Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches of all time. But LeBron James should not go play for San Antonio. No way. Nope. It would not work. You got to remember, LeBron James has had two coaches fired. LeBron James and Greg Popovich, they'd hate each other. They would not get along. They're both two dominant people. Those kind of people don't get along together. I mean, why does Tom Brady work with Bill Belichick? That's because Tom Brady is coachable. LeBron James is the kid in class that corrects the teacher. <laughs> LeBron James isn't going to listen to you. He doesn't care what you have to say. He's LeBron James. I love LeBron. But LeBron James isn't going to listen to authority. There's going to be a crazy struggle for power. The two are both incredibly dominant personalities. Greg Popovich and LeBron James would not get along. They would not. They would, they would have a power struggle. They would fight. They would yell at each other. There was no way LeBron James would work in San Antonio. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to answer your guys' questions. It's really fun. I've never done something like this. It was really difficult to prepare for. But I'm going to jump into your guys' comments. I'm going to talk about, uh, we, I asked you guys, why do you hate the New England Patriots? And you guys gave me fantastic responses. We're going to jump into that next. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about this podcast. Share this with your friends. I need your help. Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, I'm going to try something I've never done before. This is really fun. I'm excited. Uh, it was difficult to learn a new process because I had no idea how to compile your guys' comments and try to put them into a way that made sense and into a topic. Uh, it was a new process. It was really fun to learn. And I just want to say I love you guys so very much. We are going to disagree, uh, but that's natural. I think, you know, again, my brother and I, disagree all the time and we still love each other and I want to say I really really appreciate your guys's feedback it was really fun to go through you guys were actually incredibly respectful I couldn't believe it you know comments on YouTube are awful comments on YouTube are gross and disgusting and terrible and you guys were actually incredibly like reasonable <laughs> and it was like I was impressed I was grateful I was thankful I was really 
it was a ton of fun to go through the comments and try to see what you guys thought and what you guys um, believed. And I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to probably disagree with you guys a lot. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your opinions. It was really an enjoyable process. There are basically three, uh, four different types of comments I got. They were basically people saying they hated the Patriots fans. People said that the Patriots are cheaters. People said that the pa people are jealous of the Patriots. And other people said they're simply tired of the Patriots' greatness. They're tired of the Patriots always dominating. So I want to jump into the first comment. Um, this guy talked about how you know the Patriots cheat. The Patriots cheat all the time. He says Deflate Gate. He's, he mentioned Preppery Gate, which he just made up, and he talked about Spy Gate. Um, I thought that was interesting, but I, I want to. I really want to address Spy Gate and Deflate Gate. You know, it's interesting with Deflate Gate. Every single team did it. You understand that, right? Every single team deflated footballs. The only time. The thing was. <laughs> the NFL cracked down on the Patriots. The NFL does not, in my opinion, the NFL does not like the Patriots. And you would argue, well, the NFL, of course the NFL likes the Patriots, and yada, yada. I don't know what you would argue, but there's a reason the, the NFL suspended Tom Brady. The, the NFL's not a fan of the Patriots. They don't like the way they bend rules. They're not into the Patriots. So you can look at all the things that have happened to the Patriots over the years. Clearly, the NFL is not in favor of the Patriots. I don't know how you can you can look at what's gone on in New England and say, yeah, the NFL loved Roger Goodell loves the New England Patriots. No, he does not. So that that's the first part. Deflategate. The other thing, man, Deflategate does not actually help you play football. I, I know you can argue it's easier to throw the ball. It's easier to catch the ball. I don't know. I don't really buy that. But I got to say, if Deflategate really that – it doesn't make that much of a difference because – Tom Brady still had to read defenses. You don't understand. De deflating a football by like a fourth, like maybe 0.4 PSI does not make Tom Brady any better at reading defenses. He still shredded every team he played by reading their cover two by uh, breaking down man coverage. I mean, I'm just saying like the, the thought that somehow deflate gate made them win a ton of games is so unreasonable and silly. You still had to prepare. You still had to do all the stuff that involves football. So even if, even if, sure, maybe it did make the ball easier to throw. Maybe it did make the ball easier to catch. That was not the reason why the Patriots won games. The Patriots won games with technique and knowing the game better. Tom Brady shredded defenses because he knew where he had to go with the ball. He reads defenses incredibly. That's why Tom Brady had a great season, not because of deflating a football or two. That's ridiculous and absurd. Um, now, I want to talk about Spygate. First of all, get over Spygate. You realize how much success the Patriots have had after Spygate? If Spygate was really that important, the Patriots would have fallen off a cliff the minute they struggled. Like the minute, the minute you, the minute you cracked down on Spygate, the Patriots dynasty should have ended. Oh, but guess what? It didn't. Yeah, they went on to they, they've won to four Super Bowls since they've won two of them. They lost two, but man, how, they went sixteen and zero after after Deflategate was cracked, after Spygate was cracked down on. So Spygate was not that important of a thing. It's ridiculous. It drives me nuts that people still believe that. And it's, Spygate wasn't even that big of a deal anyways. Like, even if you can, maybe, maybe Spygate, maybe crack down on it if you want. But many teams in the NFL also did Spygate. That's what's funny, man. Like, they put a camera in the wrong spot. And when you really break it down, Bill Belichick's argument made sense. You know, that the NFL said, they, the NFL changed the rule. And, and if you read, I'm going to find... The NFL changed one of the rules uh, regarding filming other teams, and I just I, I did not I, I didn't I didn't understand why people were so hard on them because the Patriots said they they simply did not understand uh, one of the rules they didn't interpret one of the rules correctly. So I'm pulling up a link because I found a link where 
<clears throat> it was a direct quote from the league talking about Spygate saying, this is the rule we're changing. And Bill Belichick's argument was, hey, I interpreted the rule as this. I interpreted the rule as something that you couldn't do game to game. So I'm pulling it up right now. Here is the the very simple quote the NFL gave about Deflategate. It's right here. Uh, and another thing, too, by the way, Kansas, I'm, I'm up on Bleacher Report. I'll put a link down below to this website I'm on. A guy for the Kansas City Chiefs talked about they were trying to film signals, too, but they couldn't figure out how to make it work. Other teams film signals all the time. So this is the, the rule, that, the memo the NFL sent out about Spygate, about filming other teams' signals. There's no video recording devices of any kind are permitted to be used used in the coach's booth on the field or in the locker room during the game. During the game. All video shooting locations must be enclosed on all sides with a roof overhead. Any use by any club at any time from the start to finish of any game in which such club is participant of any communications or information gathering equipment other than Polaroid type cameras or field telephones shall be prohibited including without limitation videotape machines, telephone tapping or bugging devices or any other form of electronic devices that might, now here, listen closely, that might aid a team during the playing of a game. So that's pretty clear. Don't use something during the game and film it. Now, here's what Bill Belichick said. My interpretation was that you can't utilize anything that assists you during the game. Now, during the game, he's saying, I thought it meant I couldn't use something in that game that affects the same game. What our camera guys do is clearly not allowed to be used during the game and has never been used during that game it was shot. We were penalized because we thought that, this is Bill Belichick saying, we thought we couldn't use that footage and use it again in the same game. We didn't realize we couldn't use that footage and use it next week or later down the road. Once we realized, this is again continuing the quote, once we were penalized, the practice was immediately stopped. So look, I think that, you know, maybe maybe Spygate is all, maybe, maybe... he did steal signals. Maybe Bill Belichick didn't actually care. But I like that Bill Belichick's thinking outside the box. And maybe it's all bullcrap. Maybe he didn't actually misinterpret the rule. Maybe he was trying to push it the limit as far as he could. But I think that's awesome. I have an outside-the-box perspective on cheating. I really do. I don't think cheating's as bad as people make it out to be. I am always looking for any edge or any way to be successful. And if you cheat and don't get caught, in my opinion— you beat the system. I don't know. I'm going to tell you guys a story. I had a project once in high school um, where our what we told our professor, what we told our teacher was that we were going to make a ton of flyers and massive email them and then hand them out to a ton of people. Uh, we said we mass emailed them. We did not. And we went down to Portland, uh, like Portland, downtown Portland, and we took pictures with strangers holding our flyer that we printed up. And we said we handed out about 200 flyers. In reality... We actually only handed out, we printed maybe 20. We didn't hand out any. We just took pictures with people holding our flyer. And, and it's funny because the teacher wasn't thorough enough. We got an A on the project because the teacher didn't actually follow up with anything we said we did. <laughs> and we beat the system. And I, I, really, I know this is a weird outside-the-box perspective on cheating. In my opinion, if you can beat the system, hey, you win. I really, I really believe that. I know that's weird. I'm not encouraging cheating. I'm not trying to. But if you can find a better, more efficient way to do it, Hey, power to you. Now, this has nothing to do with football, but again, if you can take advantage of poor systems, hey, you're smart, you're efficient, you're doing a great job. Now, if you get caught, if I'd gotten caught in high school, I was willing to deal with the penalties because I I knew what what I was doing. I knew I would have to deal with that. But I didn't. I beat the system. And if you can beat the system, awesome. 
So maybe, again, even if Spygate is completely true, and the Patriots were just looking for any way to win, any edge to beat a system, and I actually respect that. You know, cutting corners, finding an edge. I don't know. I appreciate efficiency. Sometimes, you know, it's sometimes it's proof you want to win more. If you do everything in your power to win, I think that's pretty cool. It shows you're really hungry and want to win. Again, I cheated in high school and bite me. Maybe, maybe you hate that, but you probably cheated in high school too. Like, let's be honest. Let's be very honest. You're telling me you never cheated once in high school. I don't know. I know that's not really related to football, but I have a different perspective on cheating than I think a lot of you guys do. It's not the worst thing in the world. If you can find a way to beat a bad system, hey, go for it. I really believe that. Now, the next type of comment we got was, um, I'm tired of the New England Patriots. And we're gonna, I'm going to read a couple comments now. So people, the Patriots cheated. Um, they talked about how the Patriots cheated in the game. You know, I didn't think the Patriots really cheated in the Jaguars game. I don't know. I, I know that there were six penalties to one. The Jaguars had six penalties called on them. The Jaguars had one. I can only really recall the the pass interference penalty before halftime. That was controversial, maybe, but I think there was contact. And I remember the penalty on Rob Gronkowski. I mean, six penalties to one. There's not six penalties is not that much. Is it possible the Patriots just played really clean football? Is that maybe possible? I don't know. I just think it's interesting that we're so quick to say. The Patriots paid the refs in the Jaguars game. The Patriots did not pay the refs. And now there's all these videos circulating that. There's all these videos circulating that, you know, the referees were congratulating the Patriots after the game. Well, no, I I don't really agree with that because I'll be honest. If I had the chance to say, hey, Tom Brady, good job. I'm doing it. You're telling me if if Michael Jackson walks in the room and you're like, hey, man, great concert. You're not going to tell him good job. Like, I don't know. If you have a chance to interact with the Tom Brady. I'm going to take it. I really am. I don't know. I just, and, and you remember like that, you remember the call that, that fumble, that James White fumble, he rolled over and it ran, it fell into Miles Jack's hands. They reviewed that and they didn't turn it over. If the NFL was really biased, if the refs and the NFL really wanted to help the Patriots out, they, that, that play would not have gone in the Jaguars favor. Again, I believe the NFL hates the Patriots. I really do. Okay. So now this guy says, I don't hate the Patriots. But I know why people do. One, I think it's because the perception is they cheat. And two, people are just tired of them. And that was, that was Butt Poop said this. <laughs> and I love, he said I could use his name. I think that's a great, that's a great name. His name is, butt, is, is Poop Butt. And not Poop, B-U-T-T. It's Poop Butt. Like Poop Butt? Yeah. I don't, poop Butt What? I don't know. I like that name though. And, and someone else goes on to say, they're too dominant. I'm ty- I'm mad about, plus I'm mad about Spygate. I want to see other teams. Luckily, the Niners, my favorite team, got Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's go. Uh, you know, I, I kind of get this. I kind of understand why people are tired of the Patriots, but not, not fully. Like, again, I admire hard work and preparation, and I want to live in a world where hard work and preparation gets rewarded. If you, didn't, if you didn't work your butt off, if you didn't work harder than the Patriots, if you didn't prepare harder, I don't want you to beat the Patriots. I like a system that rewards hard work and preparation. Cause like I'm in a class right now called Com 300. It's the hardest class I'll ever take in my life. And I don't know how I, I don't, I'm not a good writer. I'm terrible at punctuation. I misspell names all the time. It's one of my flaws, but I know this, I will pass the class because I can prepare. I can study hard work and preparation. That's the only edge I have. I'm a terrible writer, 
but I can out prepare. I have a quiz tomorrow. I can out prepare everybody else in this class. I can study harder than you. I can practice more than you and I can do hard work and preparation. If I can do those things, I can succeed. And I want systems that rewards hard work and preparation. Like if you're damn good, I want you to succeed. I want people like the Patriots, people who have that kind of work ethic. I want a system that rewards that. So maybe you're tired of the Patriots, but I don't know. I'm glad the NFL is a kind of system that if you do the work, if you are smarter, if you work harder than everybody else, you win and succeed. Uh, someone else on Facebook said this. They said, uh, said, as a Vikings fan, honestly, I'm just salty. There's no other reason for my disdain. <laughs> I like that. Like, at least you're honest. I, I appreciate, I just, that's very brief. I just appreciated that comment. I thought it was really funny. Uh, now, all in all, five, six, and seven, I have these, these numbered. Uh, this guy says, I'm a humble Patriots fan. Uh, why do people hate the Patriots? Jealousy. And this goes hand in hand with being tired of them. I get it. Like, you want your team in the Super Bowl. If you're a Browns fan, you're watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl every single year, and you're just like, why can't that be my team? Or if you're the Steelers and you always lose to the Patriots, you're like, God, he's back again. Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl again. Are you kidding me? So again, this goes hand in hand with you're tired of the Patriots winning. If you're jealous of the Patriots, which many people are, nothing wrong with that. I understand wanting to see your team in the playoffs and being tired of the Patriots. Uh, this guy says, uh, because my team, the Patriots, win championships and they use unknown players in September that become stars in February. They use players nobody wants and make jewels of it. And I, I love this comment because it's so true. You think about who, who are the best receivers Tom Brady's ever had. He had Randy Moss at the end of his career for one, I think it was two seasons, like one and a half seasons. He had Rob Gronkowski, who, who's often injured, but Rob Gronkowski's fantastic. And the third best receiver Tom Brady's ever had is Brandon Cooks. Like, he has not had, you can talk about Joe Montana all you want, but Joe Montana had Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer around him. Like, here, here are the guys that have been outstanding recently for the Patriots. <laughs> Chris Hogan, Wes Welker, LeGarrette Blunt, Julian Edelman played quarterback in college at Kent State. LeGarrette Blunt, the running back a couple years ago, he, nobody wanted to touch him. He played for Oregon and he punched a guy. He straight up decked a player for Boise State. Nobody wanted LeGarrette Blunt. The Patriots like, we'll take him. We'll develop him. Rex Burkhead has been a star with the Patriots. James White. Have you ever heard of James White before the Patriots? I didn't. I had no idea who he was. And he was like the star of the Super Bowl last year. The, the strength of the Patriots is they find guys and say, what are you good at? How can I highlight what you're good at and use that to help us win? And that's so cool. That is what the Patriots do incredibly. They maximize the potential of everybody they have. Now, the next, uh, I want to read another comment. It was about how, um, you know, this guy said the Patriots have really annoying fans. And, and this other guy said, I actually can't stand the Eagles fan base, so I hope they lose. People hate the Patriots fans, and people hate the Eagles fans. If you, if you don't like fans, this is a bad year for you because it's a weak argument either way. <laughs> like, the Patriots fans have been awful and arrogant for a decade, and Eagles fans have been awful in this playoff run. They've been terrible. So you got to remove your emotion from it. you got to forget the fans because for both sides, Eagles fans and Patriots fans, they're all bad. So either you just hate the Super Bowl and you don't care about either team, or you say, look, I can forget about the fans. Eagles fans suck. Patriots fans suck. Take your emotion out of it and say, who do you like better as an organization? That's what I've decided to do. I admire the Patriots. I'm rooting for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Here's another comment. It's very interesting. I'm tired of people acting like we're supposed to bow down at the altar of all things Tom Brady. I love this. Uh, the NFL will not miss him. 
When he quits, the NFL will be a better place. God forbid you say something other than that he's God. I hope Philly shuts him up and the rest of those entitled Patriots. By the way, this guy says, I'm a Bills fan. No team has had sand kicked in their face by the Patriots more than the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> uh, this guy's incredibly bitter. I don't blame him at all. <laughs> it is. It, I don't know if the NFL's better when Tom Brady leaves the NFL, but I know it will be better for you. As a Bills fan, <laughs> as a Bills fan, yes, the NFL will be better for you when Tom Brady leaves because the Bills have been destroyed year in and year out by Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Now, I don't think the Patriots are entitled. That's silly and that's inaccurate. I think the fans are entitled. Tom Brady, James White, Rob Gronkowski, those guys are not, you know, Julian Edelman, those guys are not entitled. Bill Belichick is not entitled. Patriots fans are entitled. The people who like the Patriots, the people that post on Facebook, suck it, everybody, my team's better than yours. Those people are entitled. The people that are angry when their team goes 11-5, and five, and most teams in the NFL would be so happy when their franchise went 11-5. and five. The ungrateful fans, that's what a lot of New England Patriot fans are. Those people are entitled. The Patriots themselves, the team, the New England Patriots, is not entitled. It's the fans. This guy reads it, writes in, he says, I hate Tom Brady. <laughs> Fair enough, that's personal preference. Again, I find Tom Brady inspiring. I talked about it earlier on the show. If you hate Tom Brady, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, you, I'd see it maybe, like he's pretty boy, he had the, uh, the tuck rule. I get it, maybe. Uh, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't hate Tom Brady. Maybe you do. I don't. Uh, this is a long thread. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it. Uh, I'm trying to post. Hopefully, I'll post all of the quotes in this video. Uh, this is a long thread, and I'm not going to read it. Uh, but I want to comment on it because the gist of it is that, um, you know, under the video titled, Why Does Everyone Hate the Patriots? Uh, there's a long, long, long thread of people. And go read it. The gist was, Tom Brady's really lucky. Joe Montana is the real goat. And the guy references... The tuck rule, uh, the Seahawks throwing on the one-yard line, and he talks about how the Falcons threw the ball at the end of the game last year instead of running. And he says Tom Brady's incredibly lucky. He wouldn't have all these Super Bowls unless Tom Brady got incredibly lucky. Now, I would counter that by saying, well, uh, the Giants also got incredibly lucky. They had the David Tyree catch and the Mario Manningham catch. So I don't know that you can argue Tom Brady's incredibly lucky without mentioning, uh, so are the teams that beat Tom Brady. And I don't know, if you've won five Super Bowls, they can't all be luck. Like, if you, if you maybe you, you have a fluke once. You get really lucky, you hit a three-pointer, like, wow, that's incredible. I can't believe I hit a three-pointer. But if you hit 23 pointers in a row, that's not luck. You're a good three-point shooter. If you do something that many times in a row, it's not luck anymore. Tom Brady's won five Super Bowls. Nobody wins five Super Bowls and is lucky. So all those people saying, Tom Brady, the luckiest player of all time, Nonsense. That's ridiculous. Uh, you can't you can't win five Super Bowls and be lucky. It just doesn't happen. You can't be lucky that many times in a row. Nobody's that lucky. That's impossible. And the other thing, you know, I respect Joe Montana. Uh, a lot of people say that he's the greatest quarterback of all time, especially my fan base. I, I understand why you guys feel that way. You're mostly 49ers fans. Um, I believe, and I, I'm open to debate, I believe Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I think Joe Montana is actually the second best quarterback of all time. Here's my argument. Remember, Tom Brady not only has more Super Bowls, Joe Montana has four, Tom Brady has five. He's been to more Super Bowls. He's, you know, five and two in Super Bowls. But he also has won five Super Bowls, more Super Bowls than Joe Montana ever won with less talent around him. Joe Montana had a ton of talented guys. Tom Brady did not. 
I'm, I think that's pretty objective and fair. Also, I'd make this argument. Uh, the 49ers, and this guy said that the 49ers had tougher competition than the New England Patriots. Uh, he talked about the Dallas Cowboys, other teams back in the day in the 90s. When Joe Montana was winning and Steve Young was winning, that whenever, whenever Joe Montana was winning, I'm sorry, I'm not as educated as I wish I was. Uh, when he said that 49, the 49ers, when they were winning Super Bowls, had a tougher division, had, the NFC was tougher than Tom Brady's ever dealt with. I would counter, remember that Tom Brady won five Super Bowls in the Peyton Manning era, in the era where Big Ben, a Hall of Fame quarterback, also played in his division. Look at who he went through almost every year to go to the Super Bowl. He beat Tom, he beat Peyton Manning or Big Ben almost every year. And not to mention Joe Flacco, not a great quarterback, but the Ravens have been good. He beat Ray Lewis to get in the Super Bowl very often as well. That's not, that, that's stiff competition if you ask me. Uh, the next guy says this. He's, he's got a 49ers perspective. I thought it was really cool. He said, I don't hate the Patriots. In fact, I respect them. Especially after the Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners. I don't want to see them pass us in Super Bowl numbers, though. If it happens, oh, well, I hope we get to the seventh ring first. So what, uh, I think the 49ers have six Super Bowl rings. The Patriots will now have six if they win this weekend. Um, and he says, I hope we can get to the seventh one first. I think it's actually very possible. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fantastic quarterback. I am so glad. I am so happy that the 49ers got Jimmy Garoppolo. I respect Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, I'm really rooting for the 49ers. I like what the 49ers are doing. Um, I want to say that. So next one is this. Uh, I'm not going to read this. This is a, um, it's really long, and I think it's beautifully put. I think it's better if you go read it. I'll put it up on video if you're watching. Um, so pause it, read it if you want. Um, basically the gist of this is she's from Brazil where there are a ton of crazy, delusional, awful fans. And, and she is also a Patriots. She's from Brazil, but she's a Patriots fan and she's around all these crazy Brazilian soccer fans. And as a Patriots fan, she points out, she recognizes that a, the Patriots fan base is incredibly spoiled and they're awful. They rub it in your face. And she talks about how bandwagon fans and media exposition come from the Patriots' success. Now, I'm not going to read all of it. I will read the third part of it. She says, we're the biggest Super Bowl winners of the last 18 years with people other than... We're the biggest Super Bowl winners of the last 18 years with people other teams passed on because the Patriots are undoubtedly a system where hard work does pay off. It's hard to understand how a team full of players ranked B and C and a handful of A's at best manages to win. So she's talking about how a team like the Patriots, who are not like the, the Steelers have three Hall of Famers, stars everywhere. The Patriots do not. They have Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, and, and Brandon Cooks maybe, but they're not a star-studded team. It's incredible how a team of mostly average players and a couple stars can win this many championships over and over and over again. I agree. I think it's incredibly awesome. I think it's great to point out. And I want to say this person left uh, an eloquent beautiful comment and you i hope you're we need more people like that on youtube who leave deep thoughtful respectful awesome comments i i love this i thought it was awesome and i could not agree more uh next andrew gave me permission permission to say his name i think he's, he said this i think i would have to put it in, into one thing that's that the patriots never give fans from other teams a narrative to root for during the playoffs other than Tom Brady's origin story, which is of no consequence to the current average fan, the Patriots are always the favorites. What's worse is that over the decade or so of dominance by the Patriots, a lot of teams 
with good narratives like being the underdog, having a replacement quarterback, or having a new unorthodox quarterback, in quotes, Russell Wilson, those teams have been beaten by the Patriots, leading to now where so many fans have had their teams eliminated by the Patriots and or other playoff teams offers a more attractive narrative to root for uh, for a neutral football fan. You would expect to find general dislike for the Patriots. So what he's saying is people are getting – there's the narrative of the Patriots has been so – done through over and over like if you watch the same star wars movie over and over and over again you get sick of it like we've seen this plot line over and over again we're tired of it we want new storylines and yet the patriots every time there's a new storyline the patriots knock them out of the playoffs or their their greatness outshines other people's storylines that makes sense to me that that actually is the, probably the best argument for why people are tired of the patriots if i saw the same movie every night by like the sixth time i'd be like dude go away i do not want to watch revenge of the sith six nights in a row. So actually I'm starting to understand why people, uh, I, I can't, I, I'm actually, I'm changing my mind live on the podcast. I've never, I never understood why people were tired of the Patriots until this moment. It's just watching the same movie every night in a row. I'm, I'm tired of the same movie. The Patriots are just a storyline. People are tired of the Patriots storyline. That makes sense to me. Uh, this, uh, a guy says this, I don't like the Patriots because they make winning look easy. Well, yeah, they, they not really, uh, but they do. Also, I don't like them because their coach isn't on my team. That's honest. I like that. Uh, they are masters of in-game transitions. Yes, they are. The Patriots are incredible. I would love to see what halftime looks like in the Patriots locker room. I would kill. I would kill for that. Uh, he goes on to say that halftime must be magical in their locker room because they almost always have a better second half and figure out what the other team is doing even before they do it. Like Saban bringing out an untested freshman in the national championship game. Those two coaches, Belichick and Saban, are heads above the rest. And he also says the word hate does not belong in sports. I don't know. Uh, I use the word hate. Dislike is one thing. Uh, I do say I hate a lot of things. Like I hate most motivational speakers. I think they're scam artists, but well, whatever. Uh, we'll talk about this next. Uh, I, this is now... That, that's, that's it for the Patriots comments. I really... I just want to say I appreciate you guys commenting. I do have more comments. I'm going to read out a couple more real quickly. Uh, but thank you so much, man. I just could not believe how respectful and how nice you guys were. It was awesome. So I, I do have two comments off to read. Uh, this guy's commenting on, I said that the Patriots, that the, I've said many times that the Browns should draft Sam Darnold and should not draft Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback. This guy says this. How about no quarterback? Why do people think the Browns need to draft a quarterback? No young quarterback will make the Browns better. You guys are all stupid. Pick the best players at one through four, and then pick a quarterback later, like the second round. We need talent and cannot reach for a quarterback. Get Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins a free agency or any veteran quarterback to build up your team. Because face it, we will be picking in the, not, in the top 10 again next year. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think you could have a great season and beat the top 10. Also, I think there's one statement that's really, really dumb. I, I like the idea of... So first, what I like. I like... The idea of picking Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins up in free agency, that's a smart move. Because again, Kirk Cousins is a known commodity. Alex Smith, you know what he's capable of. Like I get, I get coffee at Starbucks, not because it's great coffee, but because I know what I'm getting. It's reliable and dependable. I think that's very important. Um, what I don't agree with is like, he says we need to wait to get a quarterback in the second round. No, no, that's a terrible idea. If you don't get Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins... You have to draft a quarterback. You really do. Like, how did the second-round draft pick Deshaun Kaiser work out for you guys? Oh, I didn't? Oh, Deshaun Kaiser's terrible? Yeah. Don't forget, the quarterback you currently have with a second-round draft pick, no. If you, have, if you have a number one overall pick, pick a quarterback. That's a great move. Unless you can sign Alex Smith 
or Kirk Cousins in free agency. And that leads me to the last comment. This guy says, want to know who's overrated? Kirk Cousins. And he's not wrong. So this, he actually commented on my video talking about how Jimmy Garoppolo's stats don't tell the entire story of Jimmy Garoppolo. How Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot more to offer than just his stats. Uh, he's right. Kirk Cousins is, he throws for tons of yards every year, but he doesn't deliver when it matters most. I said we knew that, you know, Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins are known commodities. What part of that, what that means is we know they haven't delivered when it matters, right? Kirk Cousins has not made it happen when it matters most. They're always on the edge. They're very close, but he can't seem to make it happen. Alex Smith in the playoffs this year blew it. He had the best roster in the entire NFL and he couldn't make a Super Bowl push. That is terrible. That doesn't work. That's not right. Um, so, you know, I somewhat agree. I think Kirk Cousins is overrated. I think he's the right answer for the Brown for the Browns because the Browns will get a guy they understand and they can use their draft picks to get great players. Like because if you if you take a risk on, you know, Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen, maybe Baker Mayfield, you have no idea what you're getting. You don't actually know. Maybe maybe they're a bust. You know Kirk Cousins is not a bust. You know Kirk Cousins can play good football. So if you can sign Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins, I they probably get Alex Smith because Kirk Cousins probably goes somewhere more desirable. Um, I do think if you can sign a free agent quarterback, the Browns should do that. The Browns should sign a free agent quarterback if they can. If you can't sign a free agent quarterback, yeah, you have to draft a quarterback. You can't wait till the second round. All right, that has been this whole comment section. I hope this is interesting. I have no idea how this plays. I'm talking to myself at one in the morning. So if you guys enjoy it, please tell me. Comment below. Tell me what you thought of this. Thank you so very much for listening to Strong Opinion Sports. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like this podcast, share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit, wherever you share links with your friends. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. It would help me tremendously with growing my podcast. Again, thank you so very much, and have a great day, everybody. Ba-dum-bum. Bam.